right, let's, uh, let's open up prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we uh, just thank you for this wonderful day. Lord, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, to worship you, to learn from your word. And God, I just pray that, uh, as always, that you would guide us, that you would help us to understand your word right. Um, Lord, that it would uh, just deeply impact uh, the inner man, that you would conform us to the image of Christ uh, through uh, your precious word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing our study on uh, understanding the heart. This is our third lesson, I think. At least most of you have been here in previous lessons. Um, uh, the Bible uses the term heart in ways that we can, or that, that can sound strange to us, uh, equating the heart to aspects of our inner selves that our contemporary culture sees as opposed to the heart. Um, and in his book, uh, With All Your Heart, uh, Craig Troxell identifies three aspects of our inner life that the Bible uses um, the, word of, the word heart for. Um, can anybody tell me what those three are, or at least, you know, one or two, or any of them? Anybody remember? The mind. The mind, okay. The mind, and that's what we're studying right now. Desires. Desires, uh-huh. And then what's the third one? The will. The will, yeah, okay. So... Um, those are those are three aspects of our heart: the, the mind, the desires, and the will. Uh, and we're still focusing um, on the mind of our heart. Um, last week we considered how our minds are involved in the sins we commit, um, and then this week we're going to examine how Christ, in His office of prophet, uh, speaks to the sin of our minds, um, speaks to that problem that we have. Uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, question number 24, the answer says, Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Um, so that's a kind of a helpful look at like what, what we're even talking about when we talk about Christ being uh, a prophet and his office of prophet. Uh, what, what, is a, what is a prophet? I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a, a term that people debate about uh, what, what does that mean what, is, what does it mean that Christ is a prophet or what is it what is a prophet someone who speaks for God someone who speaks for God yeah that's a that's a really good uh, um, just summary statement there it's it's somebody who proclaims the word of God it's it's somebody who's they're they're God's spokesman and when we think of prophets, uh, what what comes to mind? When you think about all the prophets throughout uh, the uh, the the Old Testament, and you know some in the New Testament, or prophets in other religions in world history. Uh, what what do we think of when we think of prophets? Sometimes telling the future. Mm-hmm. Telling the future. Yeah. So proclaiming what is to come. I think specifically of like Old Testament prophets, what what types of ministries did they do other than proclaiming the future? They proclaimed judgment. Proclaimed judgment, yeah. So they were warning people about their sin, um, telling them like, hey, God's judgment's going to come on you if you continue doing this. Uh, anything else? Uh, 
they had a special communication with God. Mm -hmm. They had a special communication with God. So they were getting direct and accurate information, uh, not just people's speculations, but they were getting uh, the, the true reality of things direct from God. And they were teaching. Uh, they were teaching as well, right? They did a lot of teaching. They did just a lot of letting people know what what God said. Um, and they did some assuring as well. Um, they did some promise of, if you repent, if you follow God, these are the blessings you can expect. So those are the types of things that we should expect with a prophet. And those are, in fact, the things we see with Christ. Um, even in his current ministry of, of prophet, um, is he is he's teaching us. He's warning us of our sin. He's giving us assurance. Um, and it's all 100% accurate coming straight from God. Because obviously Jesus is God. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So when you consider that passage there, where does that place Christ in relation to to other prophets, the previous prophets that had come? They were previous. They were before. Mm-hmm. Now it's culminated in Christ yeah. in the last days. Yeah. So he 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 is the culmination of all that, right? Yeah. So you could say he's the 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 final prophet, uh, the ultimate prophet. So also the superior prophet, right? Um, and you, you're familiar with the book of Hebrews. That's very much the idea that you find in the book of Hebrews is Christ is superior. His priesthood is superior. It's all about the superiority of Christ. Um, so he is the superior prophet. Um, when you think about uh, his earthly ministry, how was his teaching received? It depends on by who. Uh-huh. There's a whole bunch of correct answers. It depends on the Misunderstood a lot. What's, I'm sorry, what's that Chase? Misunderstood a lot. Sorry. Or Ben? Who, I don't know who was it said. Chase. It was Chase? I said it, it depends on when. When? It depends on Early when. Early on, it was wholeheartedly accepted, and he uh-huh, yeah. had great following. Right, yeah. And then Ben, did you say something too? Sorry, yeah. I didn't realize Chase. It was misunderstood a lot of the time. Uh-huh. It was misunderstood, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I apologize, like, the light from from the back window makes it a little hard to see whose lips are moving so and my ears are not the greatest obviously um, so I apologize if I misidentify who's speaking um, but uh, yeah so um, it was it was accepted it was uh, misunderstood um, it received amazement from people um, charges of blasphemy from people um, repentance um, and I think like one of, one of my favorite little passages is and this is not even like strictly teaching but like when when Jesus demonstrated his power over the fish um, you know Peter's response is go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man just that realization that he's in the presence of the holy um, and and devotion uh, devotion was a was definitely a response that he got um, John chapter 6, uh, verses 66 through 69. 
this is when Jesus has been talking about people eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And uh, says, after, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed uh, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So there, there's a response of, of absolute devotion uh, in response to, to Jesus' teaching. Um, has his work as a prophet uh, come to an end since the end of his earthly ministry? No, no, it hasn't. Um, Christ told his disciples that he would send the promised Holy Spirit as his gift. Uh, Christ uh, ascending into heaven and the Spirit descending on the church are inseparably linked. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, uh, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then after this was accomplished, Peter explained it like this. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to the church. And we must remember that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. I mean, this isn't like a study of the doctrine of the Trinity or anything, but, uh, but one thing you see throughout Scripture is that, that you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Uh, one just easy place to identify that is Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Um, it says, "You how uh, Paul says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So the titles spirit of God and spirit of Christ are equated. Um, I probably don't have to belabor that point with this audience, but uh, uh, it's, um, so it's, it's, uh, it's not simply a matter of of us reading God, uh, what God said uh, centuries ago, uh, not just you know like um, going through and finding the red letters and saying okay this is what this is what Jesus said to us, um, but Christ is active in His prophetic ministry. Uh, Jesus said that the Spirit would bring to the disciples remembrance what He had taught them. John 14, 26. Uh, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, the primary significance of this text applies to the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, yet any Christian can, can testify to the reality of this ministry of the Spirit. Um, he reminds us of what we know from Scripture at times when we need it. Um, often, when we meditate on God's Word, it's the indwelling Spirit who brings to mind relevant connections in Scripture that, on our own, uh, we would never have considered. Um, I'm assuming that that all of you have experienced this, where um, the, you know the Holy Spirit is just bringing things to your mind that you've read in Scripture that 
you know, left to yourself, you, you probably wouldn't think of that, but it's like, this is just what I need at this moment, and it just pops in your head. Yeah, that's, that's what the Word of God says. Um, and so that's the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing those things to your mind, and that is an aspect of the prophetic ministry of Christ through the Spirit. Um, so that's Him teaching us. Um, sometimes it's only through uh, suffering that these things are revealed to us. Uh, Psalm 119.71 uh, says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Now that could be kind of a jarring passage because it's like, oh, it's, it's good for me that I was afflicted. That's, that's not really what we like to hear. But the, the reality is, uh, you know, the follow-up there, that I might learn your statutes. Uh, Christ uh, leads us through adversity so that he can teach us things that we could never learn in prosperity. Uh, that's one of the way that he's one of the ways that he instructs us. Now the heart is where our prophet works by the word. Uh, there's several places that we see that in Scripture. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. Uh, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Another passage, uh, when we memorize the word, uh, we put it into our hearts. I'm sure all of you are very familiar with this verse, Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when we're, when we're memorizing the word of God, the biblical way to look at that is that we're storing it up in our heart. So our heart is where this is being done. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, when anyone hears uh, the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Uh, that is what was sown along the path. So there we see, um, and this is even talking about people who don't even accept it, um, that the word is brought to bear, um, sorry, uh, the, the, when the word is proclaimed, it is sown in the heart. That's that's where it's placed. Even even for people who don't accept it, um, it's placed in the heart. Um, and then the word uh, the word is brought to bear on the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Again, another very familiar passage, uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, so the word of God is working on our hearts. Um, and just, I mean, just, it just, it just shows up in, in numerous places like this. Um, and as we saw last week, we desperately need this ministry. We desperately need the word of God to be active on our hearts. Why is that? What did we What did we learn last week? Jeremiah 17. Does anybody remember? 17 verses uh, nine and ten. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. 
So our hearts are, they're, they're desperately sick. They're deceitful. They, uh, they lead us to think that we're doing okay when we're really not. They, um, they allow us to excuse ourselves for the sins that we commit and to, to trick ourselves into believing that, oh, no, we're, we're really doing what we should be doing. And so we really need the work of God in our heart to, to change that, to help us to see, like, no, I'm still falling short. I'm still not doing what God has commanded me to do. Christ is our uh, gentle guide who enables us to see just enough of our sin uh, to awaken us, but not too much to sink us into despair. He brings our hidden motives to light, but answers them with his precious promises. Um, and I was just uh, thinking about, it's like, where, where is that? Where is a good application of that? First, First uh, John chapter one, verses eight and nine. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there we see, it's like, it's just the idea of like, if we're saying we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And we could easily do that, right? We have this deceitful heart. Uh, but if the word of God is active in causing us to see that no, we are sinning, um, then we confess that sin. And there's the promise. It's not just the condemnation. It's not just the, here's the warning um, obey, or you're gonna, or you're gonna suffer the consequences. But it's also the promise um, of, of forgiveness. That if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So great, great promise there. Um, if our prophet is to use the Word of God to show us our sin, it's important. Uh, that we make our hearts a repository of sin. Uh, again, we've, we've already quoted uh, Psalm 119.11, so we, you know, we have an idea that we need to be storing up the Word of God in our hearts. Um, also, Paul, in uh, the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 6, I believe, I got, let me have a typo on my notes here, uh, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness and your hearts to God. So we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Um, and we're to be communicating these things to each other. This is, this is something that we should be talking about with one another. Um, it's something that's like it should be front and center in our mind. Um, what the what the scripture says. If if the Holy Spirit's going to bring these things to our mind and remind us of these things, um, then we need to be just stocking our mind with these things. We need to be filling our heart uh, with the Word of God. And going back to the to the parable of the soils that we referenced a moment ago, uh, Luke chapter eight verse fifteen, um, Jesus says. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. 
And so, I mean, that's that's what we ought to be doing. That's that's what our response ought to be to the Word of God. We need to hold it fast. We need to get it into us. We need to just grab a hold of it. Um, and it's going to bear fruit. It's going to bear fruit if we put the Word of God into our hearts. So, we should be memorizing Scripture, and we should be meditating on Scripture. Um, Psalm uh, 1 uh, just look at the first couple of verses here. It's a it's a wonderful psalm, um, but uh, just the first couple of verses here it says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night." And by law, there he doesn't just mean the commands, um, but he's talking about the word of God. Um, uh, it obviously includes the commands, but um, but that should be our delight. That should be the thing that we uh, that we really uh, set our affections on, and we should be meditating on those things. That should be something that's just constantly uh, coming up in our minds. Um, ben. Well, and, and the next verse, you know, it's, he bears fruit then. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Kind of the point you were making earlier. So just yes. Like. Yes. <laughs> Um, the next verse does say that as well. So yeah, it's a, we could we could spend a lot of time on that psalm. It's a it's a great psalm, but um, but but yeah, it's uh, meditation is is so important. And when we think about like all the distractions of the world, there's so many things that are pulling for our attention, uh, things that we enjoy, things that we don't enjoy. What, you know, whatever it is, there's all these things that are just barraging us uh, and causing us to like, you know, I mean. It, there's, there, I certainly experience it where it's like, wow, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about the Word of God much lately, because I just have all these things that I just have to keep thinking about. Um, I mean, obviously you have to function in, in life, you have to pay attention to what you're doing, your job, and things like that. But um, still, it's like, it should be something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Well, as Christians. Um, we have uh, a work that has been done in us. Uh, being born again means that God has taken out our heart of stone and given us a new heart. Uh, Ezekiel describes this, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. God says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, remember that in the Bible, the mind is an aspect of the heart. So what does this heart surgery do for our minds? I mean, just thinking about it reasonably, what would what would that do? Or if you have studied scripture and all the things that it says about this. It renews our mind. It renews our mind, right, yeah. Our mind is different. Um, it's It's... It's no longer the way it was, and now it's this its this new way. And we're going to kind of explore uh, several passages that relate to this. Paul describes our conversion this way, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This light doesn't 
bypass the mind, it opens the mind. We are enabled to see the truth, uh, the truth of our sin and the truth of Christ, our Savior. God opens our mind to see those things. Those things are, are foolishness to us um, before God does this operation. Um, but when when God does this, it's not just that we just have a feeling, um, but God actually works on our minds. Our thinking is changed. Our understanding of reality is changed. What we're able to accept changes. Um <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through 11, Paul says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So, is the mind involved in belief? That's a that's a question that um, different people in our society would would uh, answer differently. What's the right answer? Is the mind is our mind involved in belief? Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Verified. As I say, as a matter of fact, it's not really belief if the mind's not involved. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, a lot of times, belief is, is defined in terms of, of just wishful thinking. Um, you know, it's like, well, this is what I want to be true, so I'm just going to put my faith in it, even though I have no evidence. Sometimes you even see faith defined as being believing something against all evidence. Now, there can be some element of truth to that, um, but really only if you, like, really... You know, twist it because the reality is, is like we have great evidence of the the power of God and the trustworthiness of God, and so when we see our life circumstances, that truth should override what we see in our life circumstances, and so that's the only real instance you have of like believing against what you see is like your life circumstance is trumped by your understanding of the power and faithfulness of God. Um, but uh, in our world, uh, you often have the idea that you know that it's just like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, all the evidence is against all this, and I'm just gonna believe it anyway, and that that's what faith is, and that's just not the case. Ben, uh, one of the ways I've heard it said by different pastors is that you know, as, as Christians, we're supposed to trust our ears in some ways more than our eyes. Okay, what yeah. Mean uh-huh. By that, it's trusting what God has revealed in His Word, and there's and there's general revelation. That mm-hmm. also speaks to the faithfulness of God's word, um, but so many times we look out in the world with our eyes, kind of like Eve looking at the fruit, mm-hmm. and it's just like this looks good. Though. This is contrary to what God said. This looks much better though than anything God has revealed. But we need to remember what His word is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a great point, and and bringing in the. The temptation in the garden is, I mean, that's a, that's a great illustration uh, of that fact. But think about it. When, when, we're, when we're doing that, when, we, when we're faced with a temptation and we say, you know what, I'm going to believe God's word rather than what's in front of me, is the mind involved in that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did just, I, I probably should have thought this out beforehand, but it's just like I realized it's like I, I kind of want to, like a kind of real world illustration, so this may be a bit rough because I'm just doing it on the fly. But, you know, if, if like, uh, you know, say there's a, an appointment that's supposed to start at a particular time, okay? And, uh, you know, it's getting pretty close to the time and the person hasn't arrived. Um, um, and, I don't know, maybe for some reason, you, you know, you might be tempted to leave, okay? But you think about it, it's like, I know this person, they're gonna be here. They've, they've just, they have a history of just always making the meeting, um, so I don't have to worry that they're not going to be here. Um, that's the same thing. It's like you're thinking about it. You're, you're, you're realizing this is the character of the person that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to find out what they do, um, and their character is such that, that I can trust this, even though it looks like they might be late. Um, so that's probably kind of a rough illustration, but it's just like that's the that is the way we function in reality, um, in in just in just everyday life we function in terms of we can we can think through something where the immediate circumstances may say one thing, but the realities that we know that are deeper are going to say no. This is what we need to follow. Um, and that's a that's a better illustration of faith. Certainly better than than what you often get, you know, where it's just like, oh, well, faith is just believing what's completely unreasonable. And the more unreasonable, the you know, the greater your faith. Um, very much, uh, you know, miracle on 34th Street type of type of stuff. So uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, "Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith." with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is, again, just on the same point. How could we have assurance if we're simply wishing? If we simply just like, we want this to be the case, we, we're not using our minds, we're just like, we're just emotional, I've, I'm just grabbing hold of this. Um, we believe what our minds tell us is true. And when God changes our hearts, the mind of our heart is freed from its deception and embraces the truth of Christ. That's really what's going on. It's the work of, of God the Holy Spirit, the work of our prophet through God the Holy Spirit, um, to, to remove that deception and to change our minds so that we think the way that we should. As new creatures in Christ, we now see the world in a fundamentally different way. From top to bottom, our thinking now stands at odds with the world's vantage point. Uh, Romans uh, 12, verse 2, uh, Pastor Rick alluded to this passage earlier, uh, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what does what does Paul tell us that we must do? Negatively, he says, "Don't be conformed to the world." Positively, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's those two aspects, right? Don't be conformed to this world, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so we're going to kind of look at each of those. Um, 
So what does it what does it mean uh, to be conformed? He's saying we should we should not be uh, conformed to this world. What what does that what does that mean? What does it mean to be conformed? Maybe molded or shaped by mm-hmm. the world. Molded or shaped by. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the seat of scoffers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's an outworking of that is sitting in the seat of scoffers. Um, Let's see. Uh, and what is uh, what is meant by this world? It's, it's the sinful world around us. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the fallen world. It's mm-hmm. not the world in Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, the word "world" is used in all sorts of different ways in the in the Bible. But yeah, it's it's basically the sinful world. It's this age. It's this. It's this sinful world system. Um, so. He's telling us that we need to uh, to not be conformed. Uh, we not not be shaped by the way that this world thinks. So, what does it look like uh, when you are conformed to this world? Um, there's lots of ways that you could answer. I mean, I guess what Ben just said a moment ago is the exact uh, answer, but um, but Paul gives a, a pretty clear description in Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in once in which you once walked, following the course of this world, again, just very similar language, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, uh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, pretty, pretty um, unpleasant description, right? Um, just uh, living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, um, just just doing whatever we please, um, and the result of that is the wrath of God. Uh, and that's he says that's the. That's the way that all mankind is. That's that's the way that um, that everybody is uh, from the beginning until God converts them. Uh, and then in uh, chapter four, verse seventeen, he says, "Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you may no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds." Um, again, just the idea that like those who are apart from God, um, this is the way they're walking. Their thinking is futile. The, their um, their whole outlook on life is just opposed to the truth. Now, if we are in Christ, are we still in this state? Should be an easy one. <laughs> um, no. Second um, Corinthians uh, chapter four, verse sixteen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed uh, day by day. So there we have the promise that that our inner self, our heart, is being renewed uh, day by day. Now is this something that's left up to us to accomplish? That might be a trick question. It's not left up to us entirely. Yeah. 
Okay. It's our responsibility without the Holy Spirit, without God working in us, we cannot do it. Right, yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Second um, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So... Um, it's the it's you know it's the spirit of God who is working in us and changing us and uh, causing us to be renewed and not be conformed. Uh, there is still the command, don't be conformed. So it's like there's still we still have that responsibility, but it's ultimately it's God working in us. And the renewal involves the whole self. Um, it. Uh, it's 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 all of our um, all of our inward life, uh, but in Romans uh, chapter twelve verse two, Paul pinpoints specifically the mind. Um, so which that's obviously the section we're in right now is is on the the on the mind aspect of the heart. Uh, so it says uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, Colossians chapter three. Verses 9 and 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So there again, Paul is telling us that this renewal that we're experiencing, um, it's it involves our knowledge. It involves our mind. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So, definitely, uh, the the mental aspect of us, the, the thinking aspect of us, the knowledge aspect of us, is being renewed by the work of God. Um, so, now another question. If uh, the Christian way of thinking is so radically different from the world way of thinking, what... Uh, what must we do with our renewed minds? God is working to renew our minds, and we're—I mean—we're obviously to to uh, to take part in that as well. But we have these renewed minds. What are we to do with that? Well, part of what we do is we, we tell the world okay. about you know Christ and the hope that comes only in Him, right? Yeah, you know that they, they might have that renewed mind as well, right? Yeah, because they're deceived, right? And we have the truth. Now that can sound like really arrogant, it's like they're deceived. We have the truth, but that's not. It's not like we're we were smart enough. We figured it out. This is the work of God. The work of God has changed our hearts, changed our minds, so that we understand these things, and we want that for them as well. And so we need to tell them. And trust that God is going to work through that. So yeah, that's definitely something we should be doing, is proclaiming the word of God to people. Yeah, one illustration they use in evangelism explosion is, it's really like a be- one beggar telling another beggar about bread. So mm-hmm. it's it's really more that humble posture than one Absolutely. of pride, like we've we've arrived. Mm-hmm. So therefore, right. yeah, yeah, that's a good illustration. Yeah. Ben, did I see a hand up there? Yeah, I, I can't remember where the verse is or what the verse is exactly. I think it's Paul who wrote something about how his desire is that they would know God, um, 
and, and that's where really a lot of the knowledge should go. Again, uh, Jesus talking to the Pharisees who search for the scriptures, thinking that in them you find eternal life, but really it's found in me. The scriptures are speaking of me. And so the renewing of our minds is to know God better than that. And then that affects every, the desires, affections mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Uh, we want to know and love them better. We can't love that which we don't know. Yeah. 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 So with a renewed mind, we then dig into the Word of God more and come to know God more, and we are blessed because of that. Um, is there any other aspect of us confronting the world in terms of like its uh, very diametrically opposed viewpoints? Um, I think maybe that we should be um, trying to deal with some of the things that the world says. Um, well, we ought to. I mean, there is a sense in which God has put us here as, as salt and light, not mm-hmm. only to be a witness that others might come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. but also in, even in matters of justice. Or, you know, the church ought to be speaking up on these matters sure. to, to sort of say sure. what God has said, sure. whatever that issue may be. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's absolutely true. What about just when, like, ideas come our way? We have this renewed mind, and there's these ideas that are coming our way from a different perspective. We ought to be taking a look at those things, right? We ought to be testing those things. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, But test everything, hold fast to what is good. Um, now this is specifically talking about, in, in context, uh, about uh, a prophecy, you know, when they receive prophecy, they're to test those things and hold fast to, to what is good. But um, but I think it, it applies really to any ideas that are coming at us. Um, so if you're... Um, uh, well, I, I kind of want to like talk just a little bit about this. I know we're running uh, towards the end of our time, but um, one of the things that I... That, I see when I look at the church, and this isn't from Troxel's book, this is just like, as I was thinking, I, I'm hoping he would agree with me, but um, as I was just thinking about this, it just occurred to me that this is, this is one of the things that, that I see that concerns me, that I like to, I like to mention when I think about it, um, is that sometimes there's, there's kind of two errors that uh, Christians can fall into in terms of dealing with ideas from the world. Um, if we're going to test uh, everything and hold fast to that which is good, one thing that's absolutely necessary is that we actually be exposed to those things. Um, there can be a kind of a, a monastic uh, reaction to the errors of the world sometimes, where Christians will say, well, I'm just, I'm just not going to interact with the world, I'm going to separate myself, I'm going to never expose myself to any of that stuff, and I'll just sit in my little Christian enclave, and then I never have to worry about any error coming in and confusing me. Um, I, th- I think that's a mistake. Um, we, I mean, we can't evangelize if we do that. And, um, and the reality is, is like, errors are going to creep in. You, you, know, you need to be prepared. Um, and you, uh, the, the reality is, is that uh, being exposed to error, it may challenge you, but if you have a renewed mind, it's not going to destroy you. Um, it's it's something that God is going to help you work through um, as you consider these things. 
But then you can also go to kind of the opposite extreme. You can be so in favor of like, oh, I really want to interact with the world and 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 I, I you know I'm 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 testing the you know whatever the world is is throwing out at us that you just in a sense you embrace it all that you hold fast to what is evil, um, and there can be wrong ideas or sinful practices that you say, oh well yeah I just need to I need to to interact with the world and then you grab a hold of those things and you you use that as an excuse to then embrace sin or error um, and that's I mean that's something that I've seen Christians do as well so um, we need to we need to find the balance uh, where we are willing to expose ourselves uh, to the the sinful ideas and the sinful practices of the world enough to analyze them and say does this conform to what the word of God says but then to cling to the things that are true and holy and the other things reject them Ben you had I've heard this analogy before uh, about how doctors in medical school they in relation to the subject Mm -hmm. they start out with studying out study the human body with how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and then they study all the diseases mm-hmm. stuff that affect it and I think that's part of the, the solution yeah. to that is to make sure we're solidly grounded in here while starting to expose ourselves to outside once we're more solidly grounded than we can yeah. to the outside sources but at the same time never going away from this yeah yeah no that that's a that's a great illustration um just and in, in case the like the audio didn't pick up what you said you know just the idea of a doctor uh, beginning with a study of anatomy and the human body and the way it's supposed to function, um, and yes, you study you know diseases and injuries and all that kind of stuff, but like your primary thing, your foundation is what should be true. So yeah, definitely. Chris, don't you think part of the challenge though comes in when it involves our kids? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, sure. because it's like you know we want to do that, uh-huh. you know, but I think that as Christian parents understand that. They can allow their kids to interact with the world to some degree, whatever they deem is correct. They have to be, mm-hmm. as a family, they have to be that solid teaching and foundation because that individual child probably doesn't have that what the doctors have, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. understanding the body perfectly. But if if their parents can be involved in their lives as they're interacting with the world, mm-hmm. those parents can be that that solid rock that can help them through that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm probably not much. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, somebody who can really speak authoritatively uh, authoritatively about about kids because I don't I don't have any. But yeah, I mean, I, there is definitely the realization that that children are less prepared to deal with um, manipulative presentations of ideas and things like that, and they they just they just don't have their defenses built up. And so yes, the I'm, I'm certain that parents have a, a a great challenge in figuring out how to expose their their children to error in a way that's still safe, that that is not beyond what they're capable of. So, I, again, don't, I don't have any personal experience with that. So, but that's a good point. Um, so uh, also 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Um, that's, uh, that's something that we are called to do. Um, 
we're called to interact with these uh, ideas that are opposed to Christ um, and uh, and bring it all back uh, to the word of God. Uh, consider the purpose statement in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. There at the end it says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's kind of the, the outworking of... Um, of our of the renewing of our mind. Um, Chris, could I interject yeah, something? You bet. I, I think it's interesting because you know preachers will say, and including the one that's talking to you right now, you know that it's so important for people to have time in God's Word each day and a prayer and, and things like that. But if you look at the Bible, it doesn't really lay out that idea mm-hmm. of a daily quiet time or sure. anything like that. But sure. I think it's passages like this that do speak to that, mm-hmm. that talk about how we need to constantly be in God's Word. So I think that practice of that daily time is is just sort of the outworking of these broader right. doctrines and teachings too. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I think that's a good point. Because, I mean, it's like you, you don't want to be legalistic about the way that you accomplish it. Right. But the, the Bible is just full of... of, of uh, just the idea that we need to be filling our hearts with the Word of God. Um, and as I see the time ticking away, I'm going to have to be a little more cherry-picking here, but, um, I mean, that is kind of the, the next part there, um, is uh, that uh, we need to be, um, if there's a little bit more about just being prepared and, and being mature and dealing with things, uh, but there's also... Um, Scripture uh, over and over again encourages us to grow in the knowledge of God, um, to to increase our understanding. Paul prays for the Ephesians uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. And so, um, just. Just for time's sake, we, uh, I'm going to be cutting some of those, but that's, that's the, uh, definitely the idea that we need to be uh, trying to increase our knowledge, to be studying the Word of God so that we have a deeper understanding of, uh, of what the Word of God says. Um, and then finally, another thing, uh, we've, we've kind of alluded to this um, earlier in the lesson, but just the, the idea specifically of assurance um, that um, Jesus, our prophet, that's one of the things that he does in his ministry to our hearts, um, is that he gives us assurance. He enables us to know that we belong to him. Um, if you look at, uh, at 1 John, um, it's just chock full of statements uh, to this effect. Um, and I'm, I'm not even going to give you references here, but it's, if you want, I can give them to you later. But uh, And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. By this, we shall know that we are uh, of the truth and re- reassure our heart before him. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. 
By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, just very much, uh, you know, John is very concerned that they be able to, to, to know that they have salvation, that uh, God, is, uh, God is gracious to them through the work of Christ. Also, just quickly, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, uh, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what uh, has been entrusted to me. So our prophet is in, intent on assuring God's love and sufficiency of his grace for the forgiveness of sins. That's a part of the work of, of Christ, our prophet, as he, uh, as he renews our hearts, uh, as he teaches us. Um, and that does bring us to the end of our time. Any, any questions? Any final thoughts? Sorry for rushing that last bit, uh, Ben. Uh, I keep thinking of Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. A part of what he does with his uh, ministry as a prophet is he also, as the God-man, reveals to us the character of our God. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a very good point as well. Yeah. yeah, just the, the, the work of the prophet in revealing the nature of God to us. Anything else? All right, well, Lord willing, uh, next week we will begin to look at um, the desire aspect of the heart. So uh, let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for providing uh, this great prophet this superior prophet uh, who knows everything about you and communicates that to us, who works in our hearts to renew our minds, to cause us to think the way that we should in this uh, crooked and perverse world. Uh, God, to understand the deceptions of our heart, to to understand what your God has, uh, what your what your Word has commanded us to do, to to know um, that we have life in Christ. God, I just pray that you would continue to work uh, through your Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ, to change our minds and to cause us to think more and more as we should. And that that would flow out into the way that we live our lives. We pray in Christ's name.